first, a word from our sponsor, the insurance people. Medicare open enrollment has started now through December 7th. Do you need help enrolling? Are you ready to shop your Medicare supplement, Part D medication, or Medicare Advantage plan? The insurance people, located in Illinois, specializes in helping you select the best Medicare option for your needs. You can find them at insurancepl.com. That is insurance, our favorite word, followed by the letters PPL, or call 773-697-8082. Again, insurancepl.com or 773-697-8082. Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail, and we are the active voice of Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Our mission is to showcase vital women between the ages of 70 to 100 plus who shatter the myth that we become irrelevant as we age. These women lead fulfilling lives for themselves and others. Visit our website, womenover70.com. Invite us to conduct workshops or speak to your organization on issues that matter to women aging. Consider becoming a sponsor or joining the Aging Reimagined Circle. And if you are an author with a book about women, check out our book promotion opportunity. And today we're delighted to be talking with Iris Goldfein and Monica Israel, both just recently turned 70, Iris from California and Monica from Chicago. Monica and Iris are childhood friends, both highly accomplished professionals in male-saturated fields who approached retirement with apprehension and excitement. Through conversations with other retirement-bound women, Iris and Monica found they were not alone. They say many women were excited but struggling with their thoughts about retirement, and we decided to create a virtual community to address these needs. So DefyingGravity.life was born in 2018 with the vision to solve a feminist crisis and the mission to cultivate new norms and create new pathways through engaging conversation and expert advice. DefyingGravity.life offers its members webinars, a resource library, newsletters, and an online forum for ongoing conversations. So Women Over 70 is delighted to welcome Iris and Monica to share their retirement journeys and tell us about Defying Gravity. Let's begin with each of you giving our listeners a brief glimpse into your professional lives pre-retirement. We start with you, Iris. Sure. So, you know, my career was actually a surprise to me. Um, I started out as a school teacher and I uh, went and got an advanced degree and came back and was a, took a job as a technical writer for um, an organization called Coopers and Library, which was a big eight accounting firm. And at the time I had to say, what's a big eight accounting firm? And somehow it just gelled. And um, I, you know, and they were really very good to me, moving me along quickly, giving me great opportunities. And I lived through the feminization of the workforce. And I know it's not true for everybody, but for me, I was in a wonderful organization that was looking for women who were willing to be aggressive and, and frankly, take charge of things. And so I was allowed and offered the opportunity to do a lot of firsts at this organization. Um, when I made partner nine years after starting, I was the only woman partner in my division globally. 
I was the first woman in the entire organization to uh, run a major profit center and one of the first women on the board and one of the first women on the management committee, which was the dozen people who actually ran this multi-billion dollar fund. And, um, you know, from that perch, I was really allowed to do a lot of work in gender equality and diversity. And that was just always a side job, if you will, to my regular job. And I got to mentor some remarkable women and really help move the organization forward in their understanding. I lived through the merger of Coopers and Liban and PricewaterhouseCoopers. And after that, you know, all jobs kind of went up in the air and I landed, I was running a $500 million business for PricewaterhouseCoopers, which kept me as the leader on the management committee for the much larger firm. Um, unfortunately, I, we got sold at some point. I would have retired from PricewaterhouseCoopers. I was thrilled there. And, um, but we started getting sold and I was sold twice in a very short succession, um, probably the low point in my career. And I landed at the place that I spent my last dozen years of, of professional life as a chief people officer. And again, in some ways I stepped backwards in time because I spent a lot of time in places like India, the Philippines, uh, Latin America, Eastern Europe, developing nations, places I'd never been before, places where women were so-called girls and uh, they were likely to ask to speak to your father to see if you were okay to do this kind of work. And so um, it was really been fascinating to sit in the C-suite. Uh, the business has tripled in my time there and to just really understand, you know, how a business runs and to have the kind of impact that we were able to have on the people of this organization. So it's been, a, for me, an unexpected, to be honest, and a really remarkable career. I was just going to say it's a remarkable career. I, I don't think many of us could could say that we were we were uh, brought in to feminize the workplace. So it's a wonderful story. Um, how about you, Monica? Well, uh, my first career, which only lasted about four years, was that of a special education teacher. And I really thought that was what I wanted. Um, in those days, when you went to school, you would, as a woman or as a young girl, you were sort of told there were three or four occupations that would be fine if you went to college and really wanted to continue working after that point. And um, I was somewhat disappointed and realized that it wasn't the right challenge for me. So I went into something that was related. Uh, knowing curriculum, I went into the selling of textbooks and software, and I did districts in Illinois. And throughout my career, I was doing that from kindergarten level and through um, community college. And each one was a little different. But when I entered that workforce in 1979, um, it was an eye-opener for me because it was predominantly male-driven. Um, the editors might be female, but the sales force was very male. And uh, actually, after I received a phone call from my manager that I would be chosen for the job, he said, but there is one thing. We really do need to meet your husband. And I just couldn't imagine. You know, oh. <laughs> so I said, okay, I really wanted the job, no problem. And it was sort of, uh, you know, he, he kept saying that officially, of course, you do have the position. And my husband and I went out for dinner with he and his wife. And, um, and they were lovely. And I was just getting to know him. You know, it was the first time I saw him outside of the interviewing process. And 
what happened was I started talking to her about shoes because that's what she seemed to be interested in. And my husband was talking sports and business with the person I was going to be working for. So I quickly looked up and realized, you know, how am I going to change this? And it, I, I was so new to something outside of teaching, which had been predominantly a female uh, position. I wasn't sure how I'd get there. But uh, as it turned out, he got to business and he said, look, you need to know, Bob, which is my husband, you need to know, Bob, that Monica will be doing a lot of travel to small towns in Illinois. And we encourage our employees to eat out, not to stay in the room because they burn out and they feel lonely if they're doing some of that. And so we want you to know that you will be eating in restaurants alone. And, you know, I'm in my 20s and he was, uh, you know, he sat back and just listened. And he said, and those kinds of restaurants are usually connected to bars. And so he kind of laughed because he's never seen me drink very much. And he said, I think, you know, she could handle it and so on. But just to have gone through that process, I realized at that point what this new career path was going to be like for me. And there were all sorts of things that happened, you know, as time went on. But um, I did work for two different publishing companies as their employee in those years. And then for 17 years, I became an independent contractor so that I could pick and choose whatever materials I wanted to sell and um, really learned a little more about being an entrepreneur. Um, but all in all, uh, my 38-year career really proved to be both stimulating and rewarding. Quite different paths for the two of you. Now, I, I know that you've been friends since uh, childhood, apparently. And uh, when did you start talking with each other about your retirement plans or concerns about retirement? So I think I was, this is Iris, I was um, the first to begin to think about it seriously. I, I was I was traveling constantly and, and you know, to Asia and, 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 and working, you know, 16 hour days, literally. And, and, and when I went from this is keeping me young to I think this might take years off my life, I kind of started to really think about maybe it was time to do something else or, or stop working. And so, Monica, I mean, we, we've not only been friends, we've literally been best friends all of their time. And so she would be the person I would turn to um, and discuss all of this and, 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 and tell her I've talked to other women and this is what I'm hearing. And then probably several years later, she started going down that same path. Mm -hmm. It took me a while to get there, by the way. <laughs> um, and, um, and we just talked about it together as we were going through it. Right. Exactly. Uh, we knew that we needed to talk about it and nothing was really written. There really wasn't much um, to say about it. And most of our friends were entering retirement and feeling differently about it than we were. And um, so we, met, we started to meet other people uh, that were talking the same way we were. And then we knew that there was a need to do something. What ages were you then were, when you were started to talk about retirement? Well, well I, the first time I retired, I was like, it was almost on my 65th birthday. And I had probably been, I gave almost a full year's notice and had probably been talking about it a year before. So I was probably 63, 64 when I was really seriously talking about it. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I retired at the age of 67. And at that point, I had given about six months notice. And my manager at that time said, you know, would you want to train the next person after that date and do some extra things? And I I did for just maybe six months to Mm -hmm. eight months. Mm -hmm. So as you entered retirement, and especially the early phases of, of that, did you, uh, were there any pitfalls or things that you encountered? Or yeah, conversely, did you do it? What did you do right about it? Well, well, I did something not very bright, <laughs> I think, <laughs> um, it w- which was after living my entire life in Chicago, um, when I finally was stopping working and had time to play with my friends and do everything, I moved to California. Um, and so I came to a place where I literally didn't know anybody. Mm. Um, and my husband was working and I was not. And um, so that was challenging, having never moved. I was born and raised in Chicago. (laughs) Uh, And we just kind of put it in the category of an adventure, which it was. And I did, um, I I do stay on something called an advisory board for the employer that I I had left. So I was stimulated by that. And then Monica and I started to find gravity. So intellectually, I was stimulated, stimulated, but emotionally, I was a little bit lost. And, 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 and frankly, a little bit lonely. So that for me was probably my biggest pitfall. And I brought it on myself. I'm not sorry I did it because, as I said, it was an adventure and it forced me to have to get out of my comfort zone. But that was my story. Mm-hmm. And Monica, you've always been in Chicago. Is that is that right? That is correct. I've always been in Chicago. And then um, and my husband actually continues to work at this point. So. Um, you know that's another uh, another thing that we handle a little differently um and the pressing issue i had once i retired even though i had planned for it and i had a general idea of what i was going to do it was hard to find that rhythm i thought i was going to wake up later and start my days nine ten o'clock in the morning you know on those cold wintry mornings that you get in chicago and um and then i would also need to and want to nap at around three o'clock because when i was working (laughs) that's about when i would get tired Mm-hmm. But I found that I didn't want to sleep late. Why would I? This is the one time in my life when I could finally do whatever I'd like to do. And it's a new freedom. So I was really looking at it the wrong way. And so I decided to you know, plan more activities. And then maybe I was getting too booked. I mean, how many girlfriend mm-hmm. lunches can you go mm-hmm. to? And, um, and then trying to find uh, trying to find that um, there was some purpose in what I was doing and I had lost some of my identity just by mm. retiring. So how do I gain that? What kinds of things could I do that would really satisfy me? And there are classified stages of retirement uh, similar to other changing life cycles. And I think at this point, because I'm about four, five, you know, three or four years into it, I've experienced those uh, stages that are listed by you know, professors and so on. I may not have gone in the same order that they had said, Mm -hmm. but I've experienced them. And it wasn't until I went through those feelings that I could really feel more of a sense that I'm doing something worthwhile or that I feel good about myself and allow myself to really enjoy more carefree days without having much guilt. So what what are some of those stages, um, Monica? Tell tell us a little bit about that. 
Well, um, one of the stages would be the honeymoon stage, which happens initially. And uh, and then you just feel great. And that's when you just crash. And, you know, you might want to take a vacation at that point. This was before COVID when I first did, um, you know, got in, into retirement. And, um, and then you go into uh, starting to really think about what have you done? <laughs> Where have I gone? <laughs> and then um, trying to find something purposeful. I mean, these are much larger than that. We've actually had a webinar on this uh, where it, it's cited more clearly. And and then you come to some realization or rhythm or terms with it all. And, um, you know, but there's a lot of processes in between each of these. And Iris and I feel that it's even more so for women because this is the first time a large generation of women have really gone into non-traditional mm-hmm. roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm really interested in having you both talk about the feminist crisis. And I think you've been um, alluding to that uh, in what each of you have have said. But what, first of all, define gravity. What does that name represent? Why that name? So, you know, as we were choosing a name, once we understood, you know, did our mission, did our vision statement and choosing a name, you know, there were, I would say there's three, three things that it meant to us. I mean, the first is um, we learned from so many women that there is a weight of society's judgment on women um, that, that is sometimes just cruel. I mean, you're old, you don't work, uh, you no longer meet an unattainable standard of beauty, you know, and, and so there is this society pressure and it, and it feels like a weight to overcome and then there is the weight we put on ourselves if you will the the drive to continue to produce mm-hmm. you know especially if you really identified with your career women have told us over and over and over again that they want purpose in their retirement mm-hmm. um not just retiring to leisure mm-hmm. and so there's and and there's there's so much out there about the new retirement and the kind of expectation, if you will, that, you know, you'll do something crazy like all of us start a business <laughs> or, you know, try and cure cancer or feed the hungry. And, and the, you know, divine gravity is an absolute judgment-free zone. I mean, we're about people finding their purpose, whether it is finally getting to design that English garden spending real time with your grandchildren there's no judgment here Mm -hmm. but we do put pressure on ourselves and that word that we no longer use of a successful retirement um Mm -hmm. or successful aging is is heavy on us Mm -hmm. and then and then and so you know to to overcome that to you kind of hit that that weighs you down you have to defy really gravity and and rise above it and then the third one is is somewhat humorous but all too true i mean about the battle that gravity takes on our physical appearance Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. who's not seen the birthday card about older women with their breasts down to their knees right right? and the appropriate joke right and so um you know this kind of gravity wants to pull us down and it makes it harder for us to soar however Mm -hmm. we define soaring in our life and so it became defying gravity and the dot life is kind of amusing. We presumed we'd be dot com. And so we went to research the name and defying gravity dot com cost fifty thousand dollars to buy. <laughs> <laughs> and so taken. we started looking at alternatives and defying gravity dot life 
cost two dollars and ninety nine cents, which was much more in our budget. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we, we um, and we loved it. We just thought since this is about life, and we've gotten such positive feedback on the name and even the dot life, and no problems that everybody defaults to dot com that we thought we were going to have. We thought people would never find us, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been an issue. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. I love what you said about being a judgment free zone. <laughs> That's great. So um, tell us a little bit about some of the programs that you offer uh, that support your mission. Okay, so um, as I had said, Iris and I, this is Monica, Iris and I had felt that women are processing retirement differently than men. Um, th- you know, there always were some trailblazers, you know, from the beginning of time, you might say, uh, women who really were in the workforce, but not in the um, quantity we see now. You know, it's a very different world. And these women want to talk about their meaningful careers and retirement. They want to communicate and they want to know that they're not alone. And so the kinds of things we wanted to provide on our platform, which of course is our website, um, wanted to address those needs that are specifically for women. So our hallmark, we might say, are our webinars and newsletters. We try to provide a webinar monthly and we have a variety of people who do them, um, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, professors, and other professionals. Um, we have had some finance people also come on, but we feel that there's our, and there are so many organizations that talk about finances and money. And, and that's sort of, you know, certainly that is significant, but that just wasn't going to be the purpose of what we were doing. We were, uh, you know, sort of entering it at a more psychological um, mm-hmm. you know, place. So we've had webinars like defining happiness where we had a psychologist, a psychiatrist, actually, no, I think he's, a, I'm sorry. He is a psychologist with a, a PhD. Um, he, he's, he's written about happiness and he knows about it, but we would have them directed towards happiness in retirement and do their, they might, some of these um, speakers might even research it and, speak very beautifully on it. We had somebody talk about an ambiguous loss because retirement is a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's not the kind of loss we think of with family members and so on and death, but it is a loss. And so we had a psychologist address that. And then we had people at three different stages when we were talking about that before of retirement, early, middle, and late. Three wonderful women who we found uh, in their careers talk about uh, what stage they were in, one was it early, one middle, and one late, and, and how they were adjusting to it. They were currently in those stages. And um, so it, that was interesting. And, um, you know, we've, we've talked about encore careers uh, for those people who do want to go on or at least go to boards. We've talked about that. And um, then we've, we've had one on dating. And uh, we've even talked about COVID and how that in, plays into retirement. You know, you've waited this long. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel mm-hmm. very sorry for people who retired a year and a half ago or yes. whatever, thinking that this is retirement. And, yes. you know, it, it, it's not. And so we needed to talk about it. But one of the, the home, you know, one of the most exciting things that we might have done was a trilogy on ageism. And Iris was talking about ageism a little bit, uh, where we had Dr. Martha Holstein speak on Actually, I Am Old, and Dr. Fisk, who was um, Professor Emeritus at Princeton, speaking about feeling invisible. I know I feel that at the uh, stores when I'm buying things, you know, I'm not the person that advertisers are caring about and and, uh, salespeople may not 
wait on me as readily. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Ashton Applewhite, who actually does a lot of performances on uh, on aging, and she did one for us called Aging While Female Reimagined, and she has podcasts. And so uh, it, it really made Iris and I look very differently, and, and Iris said that, about aging after we had this trilogy. So I was glad mm -hmm. we did that, and maybe in the future we could do something else with mm -hmm. a different subject. Mm -hmm. And then the other main thing is the newsletters. Um, Iris and I might think of things that happen, and then we find a pattern in it, and then it becomes a topic. But Iris is a very gifted and talented writer. She mm -hmm. actually, um, you know, has, has those skills at work. So she comes with that skill set. Mm -hmm. And even when I was in elementary school, I remember how, how beautifully she wrote. Mm -hmm. So she does a wonderful job of providing monthly newsletters, which we, you know, both go through. But uh, they're written by it. And we look uh, for for photos to put on them, um, which it, it, it's the humor that she adds to it mm -hmm. as well as the uh, important information. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, we've had some on, um, I want to retire or do I? Uh, after the pandemic, living life, your, your life depends on it. Uh, after my career, what exactly do I do? So there's always some direction and they're only a page long. You know, I, I was looking at uh, reading some of your newsletters, and one that really stood out for me was this one about how women use bullying language on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Can you speak, either one of you speak to that a bit? Well, sure. It's, it's one of our favorite topics, uh, or least favorite topics, depending how you think about yeah, it. Least, so, right. Yeah, you know, so you know, there, are, there are two sides to this. Um, and... You know, the first part is simply the language we use when we try to figure out our next steps, steps, how much we try to, we tend to diminish ourselves. And, um, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough, I, I, I taught a course at Stanford Continuing Education on Encore Careers for Women. And I had a powerful group of women. I mean, some of them were real trailblazers in STEM and law. And I was just despondent myself about the negative language they used about themselves. Mm -hmm. And I really did create kind of a, a grid, if you will, talking about this, saying, look, you know, you could talk about the fact that your skills are outdated, that maybe you haven't perfectly kept up with technology, or in your last years, you didn't learn as much in your early years. Or you could talk about your deep well of experience. Mm -hmm. You could talk about the fact that I'm not relevant, that my skills don't translate. Or you could talk about your ability to reinvent and reimagine yourself. You know, there's a lot of, well, who would want me? You know, I'm mm -hmm. older. I've been around for so long. I mean, these are people that have such a well of experience. And I just, you know, and we talk about the fact that for the first time in our lives, I mean, our children are probably grown and out of the house and independent, we hope. You know, we don't have a boss, finally. And we are in charge. And instead of thinking, who wants me? You should be thinking about, I can do what I do on my own terms. And so, you know, there, there's just some examples of the negative language. And I've heard this from such successful women. So um, it is like our confidence has kind of evaporated with our job. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just a shame. And this is all part of this feminist crisis that we talk about, about leaving your career somehow tends to feel like you're going back to being less. And we mm -hmm. hear this pre-career vocabulary. 
The second side of it is about the ageism that Monica was talking about. And, you know, we no longer play like we're in on this joke. You know, I've changed my vocabulary. I mean, and, and one of the things that I think was Martha Holstein really pointed out, she said, you know, if calling yourself old or older or elderly is such a taboo, then mm-hmm. being of advanced years must be a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. And that's how it starts, right? And I mean, you know, um, and we know it isn't. I mean, who has not been humiliated by a young man or even an older man looking at us and calling us young lady? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you just want to kind of rip their face off, right? <laughs> and by the way, 70 is not the new 50, okay? <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to be 50 with children in college, big stress careers, and the constant juggling of critical priorities. 70 may be a new 70 thanks to the many advancements, but, you know, we're living our 70s as we see fit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going saying it's the new 50, by the way, is, a step, is moving backwards, not forward. <laughs> so we find too many ways to put ourselves down, and sometimes before anyone else does. And so vocabulary really matters, and we should use it wisely rather than create these kind of self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm-hmm. So, as you see, it's a topic I'm really passionate about. Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> as we are. We are both, too. Indeed. Uh, so, oh, we could talk about this for a long time. Um, but what, um, what's on the horizon now for DefyingGravity.life? Where are you headed with this? Well, you know, we we started as a for-profit organization, and we are right now in the process of going not-for-profit. We just felt that the work we do is sort of mission-driven mission for us. We don't want the pressure of, you know, you know who's going to pay for what and how do we make money. And so um, we just thought that this was a better approach for us. I'm really... Happy to say we have our first underwriter, uh, and it's Bernstein Investments. I just want to give them credit for betting on the newbie. We're so we're so thrilled with that. And so this is just going to give us a lot of opportunities to continue to do what we want and expand. We may come into your world, and we're looking at podcasts. We're looking mm-hmm. at kind of in-person meetings, whether that's virtual or, or physical, uh, to just make sure women get this opportunity to really talk to each other. I yeah. think our demographic is more comfortable than that one than chatting. We've discovered that on our own journey of not doing everything right. So, you know, we're incredibly excited about the future. And, and with this change and getting funded, we're really probably tripling our efforts on Defying Gravity Down. Mm. That's really exciting. And mm-hmm. because we're, we're, we're very interested in where the nonprofit path takes you also. Uh, what about for for both of you uh, in terms of as you think about your own horizons, uh, if you think about aging, how do you think about it for yourselves? Okay. Um, all right. Well, I'm kind of, you know, I'm definitely, I think I didn't really old until COVID in the sense that everybody told me on the news every night that I was in a new category. A person mm. over 65. And anyone over 65 was more at risk of this disease than anyone else. So you better get your vaccinations first. You better, you know, and so I kept thinking about it. And, um, you know, you could stay with that and, and make it part of your psyche or you could just move on. 
which is, of course, is what I'm choosing to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, of course, it, staying in this project with Iris um, is very exciting to me. And we're learning, we learn something new about it every day. Just running the business itself, let alone the topic of retirement and women. And, um, and then I personally have a grandson, so I'm doing more babysitting than I uh, thought I would be, which I love. And um, my husband continues to work, but he will be retired soon. And you know, we, we talk about some travel um, mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to, to always sort of have a project. You know, maybe I'm reading more books, and I think I'm reading more nonfiction than I did before. And uh, there's you know, and that's been interesting too because I have the need to, you know, sort of be it in class in my book club or I take mm-hmm. a class. I took a class last year and so on. But and for me, I'm about to retire again November first, so I got called back to my job, uh, which was not oh. something I really wanted to do. I thought I would do it for maybe six months, and I did it for fourteen months, full time, full stress. And so I am just thrilled to be going back into retirement and pick up that retirement rhythm again. But I have to tell you, I have been really surprised, and Monica's been helping me, um, that despite four and a half years of what I would consider to be successful retirement, I'm going through it all again. All the feelings, all the concerns, all the anxiety um, that I had the first time. And that is, especially running to find gravity.life, that's quite a puzzle to me. But I'm certainly not immune to it. So I will stay on the advisory board of, of my of the company I've worked for. Mm-hmm. We're going to work on defying gravity life. I recently became a grandmother, and she, my granddaughter, is far away. So once COVID abates, I plan on going up mm-hmm. and back a lot. Mm-hmm. But I do know one thing. One thing I have taught myself, and 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 defying gravity life has taught me: I am the writer of my own story. <laughs> for sure well congratulations to the two of you on your grandchildren oh, thank you. sounds, sounds like a match there uh, one was a boy and one was a girl right yeah right <laughs> you don't think we've talked about it already <laughs> i'm sure you have yes i just find it so interesting iris that you are going through this the same cycle again because you know we hear that mm-hmm. Rehearsal is is uh, you know helps one move move through these transitions. But I think in, when you're facing retirement again, I can understand why you might have go through that same cycle. It's interesting. You know, work is intoxicating. Right, being mm-hmm. needed. Uh, you know, it does something for the ego, um, and and it just you know there's a sense of look what I could still do, and you feel mm-hmm. like it's keeping you so sharp and on your game and you know, and, uh, you know, it's. I like saying I'm a chief human resource officer and I have to go through again and say I'm retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, although I think Monica and I are barely retired, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sounds like you're starting all over again. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank both of you so much for, for joining us today and we're, we're 100% behind your your um, d- divine gravity dot life and uh, feel like we're kindred spirits. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Catherine. And we feel the same. We're very impressed with what you've accomplished. Yes. And thank you for, for inviting us to do this. Absolutely. Our, our pleasure. Wonderful. Yes. wonderful. 
So, listeners, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Become an active participant in our Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined Facebook group. You can visit our website, womenover70.com, and discover everything you'd like to know about our Women Over 70 community. See you next Wednesday on Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined.